Welcome to the Just Start Tech podcast brought to you by Central Valley Christian School. This is your source for growing in your pedagogy by hearing stories from others on this journey just like you. Because learning never stops, it just starts. So here we go. Welcome, everybody, to the fifth episode of the Just Our Tech podcast. I am Nathan DeGroat, a technology integrator at Central Valley Christian School in Visalia, California, and I am so glad that you have chosen to listen in again to this podcast. And I hope that you will please take the time to leave a review as well as share the podcast with others. Today's episode is all about making learning visible. I'll start off by explaining a bit about visible learning and what that means. Then come listen in as I interview Allie Cornelis, an eighth grade English and Bible teacher at CBC. She shares two ways that she has used video to help her students overcome barriers and truly share their understanding. Lastly, for jump starters, I'm going to share a variety of tools that you could use to help students make learning visible. So let's get started. When you are beginning to use technology in your classroom, it's easy to fall into the notion that it's just an add-on. When we have this view of technology, we bury ourselves into the substitution aspect of the SAMER model, which means we are using technology, if we're using it at all, with no significant change in the task. I recently listened to an episode of the 10-Minute Teacher podcast with Vicki Davis, where she interviewed a guest by the name of Tom Murray. I'll link to this episode in the show notes. But Tom shared his moment of change in how he viewed technology integration. He shared a story of his principal observing him teaching a lesson, and it was spelling nonetheless. Well, Tom's class was outfitted with Palm Pilots in the early 2000s for each student, and they used these to complete the spelling lesson. When asked about how the lesson went, Tom shared that all of his students were engaged the whole time, but the principal challenged Tom to think about the learning objectives. What were students supposed to do? Well, students were just learning the technology rather than focusing on the spelling. Tom mentioned that he spent far more time just trying to integrate the technology for the sake of using technology rather than focusing on the why. And that completely shifted his viewpoint on technology integration. And I think that is the most critical aspect. We must always start with the why. Why do we want to integrate technology? Why would we want to make this change? Sometimes we might not know the why, but we can certainly challenge ourselves when we go out and explore what other teachers have done. We should never just be quick to see something that another teacher has employed and think, oh, that will work in my classroom. If you want to try it, think about why you might want to. What problems will it solve for your classroom and how will it improve student learning? One of the popular terms in education right now is the idea of visible learning. This is supported by a large amount of research done by John Hattie. I have a few books about this research that I'm going to try to get through when I have some time, but if you're interested in checking out these books, I'll put a link in the show notes. Basically, the idea is to make student learning visible. This means that we are not focused on just the outcome, but rather the process. And when you think about it, the majority of learning actually is embedded in the process. This means talking, making mistakes, reflecting, experimenting, all of the things that help make up the final product. And I think this is where technology can be used to really make this happen. There are so many tools out there that can help facilitate visible learning, whether that is through the creation of video, 
audio, having discussions or making portfolios. Having your students explain their thinking to others is a win for everyone involved. Now, you might be thinking, I already do this in my classroom. Students talk to each other to discuss ideas, and then we have a whole class discussion. But think about how many of those students are actually actively participating. How many of them feel comfortable in those settings to really share their thoughts and ideas? You might be getting some great thoughts from those students who are vocal, but does everyone have an opportunity to be heard? You can also think about this with an end product. When a student solves a math problem or creates something, do they have the opportunity to explain why they did it a certain way or why they chose to use certain elements? Does this get shared with other students? Even if it is posted somewhere for others to see, it does require dedicated time and intentionality with your students to actually respond to each other. The likelihood of them going home and reviewing their classmates' work isn't that high. So take some time to embed it in the classroom. Now, here's the most difficult part. This way of teaching probably requires a shift in your instruction. And I know full well that change is difficult. When I first came into teaching, I learned about the different philosophies and science uh, in college, but I really defaulted to the way that I was taught. I followed the patterns of the veteran teachers that taught me and those around me, but those were things that may have prepared me for success in my time. We must be reflective and wonder if those strategies will be the best to prepare our students for their futures rather than for our past. So here's your challenge. Take one unit, one novel, one topic. Think about how you could change this to give students the opportunity to create something that shows their learning. Think about how you could allow them to converse and share and be excited. Just try it at least once and then reflect on how it went. If you do it, go ahead and share with me so that I can get that out to others. interview portion, I want to bring on Allie Cornelis, an eighth grade teacher at CBC. Listen closely as Allie explains how she saw a problem and how her students showed their learning and how she found a tool that could allow them to showcase their creativity as well. I am here with Allie Cornelis. Allie, how about you go and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi. Um, so my name is Allie Cornelis and I am currently teaching eighth grade English and Bible at CBC Middle School. And this is my fourth year here. I taught for two years previously in Arizona, teaching Latin to fifth, sixth, and seventh graders. So yeah, my sixth year overall teaching. All right. Awesome. Now thinking a little bit about your childhood, what was one of the first technological advancements that you remember either growing up or in school or anything like that? So I definitely remember in middle school using floppy disks, and I thought it was really cool when we switched over to the USB drives, and you could load all of your documents into that, except for when I would lose them. But that was <laughs> probably one of the first things I remember also with music files, and I mean, I used to go for runs carrying my portable CD player. So when they changed to MP3s and yeah. that was kind of exciting. Yeah, like especially those MP3s. I was a huge game changer in the world of technology. And like you think just where we're at right now with music and media available. And it just took all those little steps of 
transitioning from tape to CD to MP3. So I've heard a little bit about a project that you're working on, and I love visiting your class. Like if you could see around right here, like she's done some different transformations in here. It looks incredible. Uh, so tell us some things that you're doing with technology with your class. Maybe explain a little bit about how you came up with this type of project, what problems it solves, what your students are doing, how they're benefiting from it. Uh, basically anything that you would like to share. Sure. So I've tried to do a few things with technology um, over the past few years. One of them, probably the, the biggest project that I have my students do is a book report that uses um, WeVideo. And so it's always a challenge as an English teacher trying to find book reports that are engaging and they mm -hmm. challenge students in terms of the content and then also are not tedious and really just unpleasant for the students to write and then also for you know, as a teacher to grade. So I, I try to come up with creative and interesting things to do for them. So for this book report, in order to get the students to think about character development, they are asked to create a an award ceremony for the characters in their book, highlighting three different characters who have shown some development. And we talk about the different ways that characters can develop. And so they basically look at different award shows like the Grammys and that sort of thing. And they have to think about tone and how to write to an audience while also exploring the different themes and developments in the book. So I used to just have them write their script out and turn that in and I would read it and it would, you know, it would be fine and interesting, but I decided to be brave and um, try out we video uh, last year. And so I made them turn in the, the written script, but I also made them act it out using we video. So they had to practice video editing and not only writing with the correct tone, but also they had to think about the social interaction of how to speak to an audience, how to look, how to, you know, yeah. how your posture is. And so I found that it's really helped them to really dive into the project a little mm -hmm. bit more than just doing a writing assignment. They also can collaborate with their friends. So some of their friends know a little bit more about video editing so they can help them. I also let them have guest actors. So I see a lot of their friends and their parents and their siblings and their pets. So it, it turns out to just be a lot more fun for them to make. Yeah. Um, some of them, it's a little intimidating, but they end up learning. And, you know, it's, it's a lot more fun also for me to grade. And I get to see a lot of their personality shine out through that. Yeah, that's really interesting because we think of like book reports and, you know, the basics, like where you can just write out the plot and who is the main character <laughs> and things like that. And it's you're like the students really aren't doing much work when it's just that like you don't even really know if they've read the book, if they're just filling out things. But the way that you're doing this character development, they really have to pro like track that over the uh, progression of the book. And then they have the chance to like really be creative and create for a wider audience so that their, their classmates can see it and, and things like that. And then I really like it's not just like writing a script. They're getting some writing in. You're thinking about tone and things like that. But now you're doing more of those social and communication skills that they might not get if they weren't doing a project like this. So thinking about presenting in front of an audience and using just tone in your voice and your eye contact, your posture, all of those nonverbals that really communicate that we don't get when we're just doing writing. All right. How would you say that your students are responding to that project? So at first, when they, if they aren't very familiar with 
video editing or video projects, then it can be a little bit daunting for them. But as we work together in class and I give them a lot of time, I put up a green screen so they can practice adding that, you know, different Mm -hmm. backgrounds. And we go through the different things that they can do. And I also just encourage them to be creative. I mean, I give them kind of a a basic, you know, these are the elements you need in your video, but I also open it up that they can, they can add so much more. And I think they like being able to just explore things on their own and find different sound effects and, you know, adding in things that let their humor or their personality show, especially in an assignment where I tell them you can absolutely be funny (laughs) in this, you know, I mean, so many award shows have humor. And and so I think they like that element of it, even though it can be a little bit scary at first. And after they're done, they, I don't think they like other people seeing their videos, but I think that they have a lot of fun in the process and they're proud of their work at the end. Yeah, that's a really big thing, allowing students to be creative. And sometimes we as teachers can just lock down our students into you have to do these things this way. And usually when you do that, you get something that's everyone's assignment or everyone's video is pretty much the same. And oftentimes that can be boring as a teacher to just see the same old thing over and over. So I'm sure that you get a lot of joy seeing yeah, your students' personalities shine and seeing them really like take charge on this project. Absolutely. So thinking about now you've done this for this is your second year on that one. What words of advice or wisdom would you give to your colleagues? If they're trying to do something, what's what are some tips or tricks that you've learned along the way that you would share? What would you just tell them if they were like, Allie, that is so cool, but I don't know if I can do that. I would say that I really don't know very much about technology itself. I actually had a colleague in the past that said, oh, I heard you're really good with technology. You have the magic fingers. But so my my solution for um, Chromebooks that weren't working in class was to like wave my fingers in like a like a like just like a wizard, like, ooh, like, you know, and just pretend that magic worked. So I called them magic fingers and it was basically just patience, but it would sometimes work and then we'd be really excited. Um, So I really don't know very much about technology. Even when I started this, I kind of, you know, looked around the website and practiced a little bit on my own, but you just have to realize that these students, they already know so much about technology and they're creative and they're curious with the websites and especially with something like we video, it's kind of difficult to mess it up. Mm-hmm. So I, I just have faith in my students and they can often teach me things and we learn and grow together. So don't be afraid. Yeah. I think that's really important. Sometimes we can be afraid to try new things because we're not the expert in it. We've teachers have been teaching for a while and they, they know their routine and sometimes change can be hard because we have to learn as well. So I think, yeah, you what you're saying is a great example of that. You just went in and tried some things and you weren't afraid to learn from your students because they're really not afraid to try new things either. Yeah. And they love teaching me different things too. So I love going in saying, hey, this is my first time. So if you know something, help me out. And then and then I'm able to you know give them credit in the future. And they kind of like. Yeah, and that's just a great classroom environment in general to be able to empower your students to let them know that, hey, they can teach things, they can explore things and share with others, and we're all in this together. So is there anything else that you would like to share about this project or just technology integration in general that we weren't able to discuss? Well, there is one other thing that I do in my Bible class, and that's also using the same program, but basically I... I have my students do a lot of writing and reflecting. So in Bible class, we, you know, read stories or we have different 
uh, lessons on different things. And I really want them internalizing the lessons and thinking about their own lives. And so I, I often have them do like a blog, but this year I changed it into a vlog. So oh. they're videoing themselves and they, I, they don't, they didn't love the idea at first, but I think now it's, it's a lot more, mm -hmm. you know, just natural to them. So they basically just talk to me. I don't let other students see these. Okay. And I, I just have them reflect to me answering different questions about the class or about what we're talking about. And I just see so much more of their personality. So this year in the eighth grade, we have nearly 90 students. And so it makes it difficult to always have these one-on-one -on -one conversations. And, you know, every day I can't talk one-on-one -on -one and have these yeah. in-depth conversations. But through these video assignments, I really get to know them more personally and I get mm -hmm. to respond you know, to their, to their videos in a way that I wouldn't necessarily see come out in all of their writing. Right. And some, yeah. especially if students struggle with writing, it can be difficult for them to express themselves in words unless mm -hmm. they're just talking to you. And I, so I've really been blessed by hearing their stories through these, these videos instead of writing. Um, and I just make sure to include writing in other areas. So that yeah. way they're still getting that. Yeah, I've noticed that too with a lot of the students that when they can express themselves in video and kind of just talk and not really worry about grammar or things like that getting in the way, uh, they're able to produce their ideas more clearly. They're able to yeah be more uh, thorough in what they're saying. And I like how you're talking about just being able to connect with them one-on-one -on -one because you're right with 90 students with your different classes, there's just not enough time in the day, but technology kind of gives us that, that connection uh, to where we can, we can look at these videos at, at a later time and then come back to them. And yeah, just you think about the progression of a student as well as you see them from week one to week 36, kind of going through this, how much deeper their conversations go. So we will put some links to some of those examples in the show notes so that you can check them out. Allie, if our audience wants to get a hold of you, what's one way that they can contact you? Feel free to email me. My email address is acornelis, that's A-K-O-R-N-E-L-I-S at cvc.org. All right. And I'll put that in the show notes as well so that you can get a hold of Allie if you have any questions for her. So Allie, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Allie as much as I did. I really love Allie's personality in the classroom. She understands the value of allowing students to be creative. This video book report allows for so much learning to take place through reading comprehension, writing, speaking and listening, as well as the technology scale of video editing. Allie mentioned that she doesn't consider herself to be good, so to speak, with technology. Rather, she embraced that she needed to try something new, and she made herself vulnerable to her students by showing them that she doesn't know exactly how to do this. Lastly, she used technology to her advantage by being able to connect with her students on a personal level. While we might not be able to interact with every student face-to-face -face each day, we can leverage the use of technology to hear from them even when we aren't in class. After listening to these ideas, it reminded me of Jake Miller's metaphor of educational duct tape. Allie added WeVideo to her tool belt, and when she found a need to use it, she explored it a bit more and saw that it would be the right tool to meet the need. I highly recommend listening to the Educational Duct Tape podcast, as well as following Jake Miller on Twitter at JakeMillerTech. I'll put links to those into the show notes as well.
Jump Starters today, I want to provide you with some tools that you might use to make learning visible. The first category is going to be for the tools that would spark discussion. This means that your students are talking and having their voices heard. The first and most popular one is Flipgrid. I have shared this out several times before, but Flipgrid is an amazing platform that allows students to record a video in response to a prompt you have given them. Now that Flipgrid is free, you can allow students to rec record replies to another student. This provides a great way for everyone to get their voice heard while also giving students the opportunity to listen to each other. If you want more ideas on how you might integrate Flipgrid into your classroom, please check out the third edition of the Flipgrid Educator's Guide, written by Sean Fahey and Carly Mora. You can find it at bit.ly slash Flipgrid ebook 3. That's bit.ly slash Flipgrid ebook and then the number 3. I'll toss that link into the show notes as well. Another tool to use is called Synth. Synth is a tool that just recently came out last year and it's still in beta, but it allows you to pose an audio question and students can record anywhere and on any device. You might use this as an audio exit ticket, reflections on learning, or explaining the thought process. By giving students the opportunity to talk about their thoughts, they're using some higher order thinking skills to connect information. The next one is screencasting. You can use a variety of screencasting applications like Screencastify for Chromebooks or the built-in screen recorder on iPads. This allows students to explain either a process or a product. They could explain their thinking by having the visual on the screen as they manipulate it, or they might share how they developed and why they use certain elements in their final product. With screencasting, you can also app smash this and toss it on Flipgrid so that students are able to see other students' work and then respond to it as well. These next tools will focus on just the visual aspect of documenting thinking. The first that I want to mention is Google Drawings. Google Drawings allows you to create a variety of graphic organizers and other drawings. When going through the learning process, it can often help to visually organize your thoughts and ideas. This is where graphic organizers can come into play. I'm going to link to a post by Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook, where he recently updated this one with even more Google Drawings templates for graphic organizers. I recommend that you take a look at them, but provide them as options for your students. Don't just pigeonhole students into having to use one type for a project, but give them the opportunity to choose which one will work best for them. And remember that these don't have to be done digitally. They could be printed off for students to fill in, or you could just give them as examples for students so that they have an idea of what they can do when they want to make their own. Next is Google Jamboard. Google Jamboard is a digital collaborative whiteboard space that allows you to bring in a variety of content as well, such as different files from your Google Drive or images or websites. Students can work together in the brainstorming process and this works on Chromebooks or iPads. Having a free space to write and draw is huge for explaining and exploring ideas. So this is a great tool to use to help students brainstorm. This last one isn't necessarily a tool, but it's more of a learning strategy. It's called sketchnoting. There is tons of research about how creating a visual in relationship to text dual encodes the information, making it embedded more deeply into the brain and easier for recall. Sketchnoting allows students to make those visual connections by actually drawing out the main ideas and connecting them. For some, I know this is true for me, a digital tool will greatly enhance their drawing capabilities.
Again, you could use Google Jamboard as a way to sketch note, but other drawing apps like Sketchbook by Autodesk, Paper by 53, or Adobe Photoshop Sketch might be better options. This could also be done by hand. You can give students just paper blank sheets of paper and have them use crayons or colored pencils. And by having free roam of the paper without boundaries, students are able to employ spatial reasoning as they take in information. In fact, they could even sketch note without actually even drawing. I'll post a link to a video to the YouTube channel Verbal to Visual in the show notes. I want to end with this quote from Maya Angelou. Do the best you can until you know better. Then, when you know better, do better. I really believe that the majority of educators do the best that they can, but sometimes I think we might fear that if I change my instruction, then that means I was teaching poorly the way I was before. I think this quote qualms that fear. We are continually learning new things. And if we know something is going to improve our craft, then we should try it. I hope you enjoyed this episode and were able to take away something valuable. If you would ever like to be featured on the show, or if you have an idea you would like to share, please reach out to me. You can find me on Twitter at JustStartTech, or you can email me at ndgroat at cbc.org. Please share this podcast with others to help grow the community, and please leave a rating and review. Remember, learning never stops, it just starts.